We're so excited to share this teaching message with you from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. We believe God knows you and loves you, and through his word, he expresses his plans and purposes for your life. We hope that you open up your heart and really sense God speak to you through this message from our pastor, Tolulokwe Moody. Let's get right into the service and be blessed by this message. I have something to share with you this morning that I'm believing the Holy Spirit would really make real to you um, in just a very profound and in a simple way. It's a very simple thought. We have a window this morning, and so I get to preach what I want um, this morning. Um, I want to speak to you on what I'm going to call real simply this morning, cut soap for me. Cut soap for me. Let me look at somebody next to you and just like appeal, like cut me soap now. Cut me. Cut soap. Cut soap for me, Alpha. Show me how you are doing this thing. Cut soap. Cut, cut me soap, right? Um, so, so there's this whole cutting soap thing, and you know, maybe you, you don't know what that's all about. Um, you don't live on the streets and all of that. You're really proper, and you're wondering what that's all about. Um, that, I mean, when, I'm not so concerned about the origins this morning, and you know, whether you do things like um, Gmail, Gmail, um, uh, uh, whatever. But, but basically, um, it, w- what it just simply sounds like is that I look at somebody, and there's something about you. There's something about how you do what you're doing. There's something you have figured out. There's something that you seem to have, and I'm like, show me how you do this thing. Like, just let me in on it, right? Um, something like that, right? I hope I'm correct enough. Help me. Okay. You're hearing it for the first time this morning. Don't worry. Welcome to church. Um, and so, so, so here's my question. If you were to look around the world or look around town this morning or look around church and you want to ask somebody, come, come and cut soap for me. Like, who would be your first pick? Um, maybe some of you are students and you're like, I just need that most brilliant person in my class to cut me soap. You know, or, or maybe you're just thinking about life and all that's going on and you want some business person to just come and show you how they're doing this thing. Anybody? Uh, how many of you, let me just be checking out your, okay. How many of you need like some business to come out? Okay. Okay, fantastic. How many of you need like some philosopher to cut you so like, just give me the ability to be able to philosophize. Yeah. How many of you want Baba Deboye to cut you for you? <laughs> you know, um, but but yes, where I want to start. How many of you want Thomas Tuchel to cut? <laughs> okay, so here's, here's where we're going to start out this morning. Um, I want to just introduce you to a guy. He's in your scripture. You know him. His name is Pilate. Pilate is basically a governor. He's a foreign governor, so he's like a colonial governor. He's Roman, but he's a governor in the province of Judea. And um, he's basically a key figure that we meet a lot in the crucifixion of Jesus. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to walk you through a whole lot of scriptures as we just, in many ways, um, look around that crucifixion of Jesus there. But Pilate, in many ways, is a good guy. Um, In many ways, Pilate is the kind of guy you would look at and you feel um, he, he has values. He's... He's a decent person. I, I kind of, you know, you want to rate him in many ways. Um, and so in Matthew 27, if we start from there, Matthew chapter 27 and verse 14, the Bible says Pilate answered. Um, Jesus didn't answer Pilate one word so that the governor marveled greatly. Like Pilate was somebody that he's speaking with Jesus and even in Jesus' silence, he's marveling like he's impressed, he's thrilled. He's just excited about the concept of Jesus. You know, like, I've just been around him, even when he's quiet. The Bible says Pilate marveled greatly. 
All right, move me on. Matthew chapter 27 verse 18. The Bible says, because Pilate knew that they handed Jesus over because of envy. So if you say, Pilate, what do you know about this whole thing going on? He knows that Jesus is innocent. These guys are just trying to kill him. I don't know why. You ask Pilate about Jesus, he knows the truth, that Jesus is not. He knows it in his heart. In Luke chapter 23, verse 4, the Bible says that Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no fault in this man. And so if we were to like do a setup and we say, you know, there's a place where like this is all Jesus and all of that. And then there's a place where, you know, this is you are against Jesus. Okay, you are like, just cancel out. Pilate was your guy that says, no, this is where I'm going to sit. You know, I find no fault in him. He's totally innocent. I know it about him. In Matthew 27, verse 19, Pilate even had a family that points him towards the truth of Jesus. So Pilate's wife, that's good stuff. While he was sitting on judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, have nothing to do with that just man. You know when you have people in your family that tell you the truth about Jesus? That's good stuff. So Pilate is your guy in many ways that fits on that like Jesus kind of thing. He's vibing with it. Okay? Um, in Mark, all right, Matthew 27, verse 19, that's what I just read. Um, but it kind of starts to get a bit tricky. So in Matthew 27, verse 22, Pilate is now under a lot of pressure, just in terms of this thing I'm standing on. Because the Bible says that Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? And they all said to him, let him be crucified. So Pilate is dealing with, with, with this crucified Jesus kind of people. They, they want to kill him. They, they are against him. They hate him. Pilate is struggling with that. He's saying, no, I, I, I don't think so. Um, and verse 23, he said to them, Why, what evil has he done? He hasn't done anything wrong. But they cried out all the more saying, let him be crucified. In Mark 15 and verse 9, the Bible says, but Pilate answered them saying, do you, do you, so he's trying to like, look, guys, let me release to you the king of the Jews. You guys have a tradition where we are going to release one person every year. Let me just release this guy. Like, See, in my heart, I know this guy's innocent. He's a good guy. I can feel for him. I, I like him. I like him. Let me release him. Um, so in, in, in actual fact, he brought up that thing because he like had a plan. He was looking at all these guys hating Jesus and he's like, I'm going to help Jesus. I'm going to help Jesus. I have a plan. I'm going to help him. Luke 23 verse 20. The Bible says that Pilate... Therefore, wishing to release Jesus again, again, he has been, he's been looking for it like all oh, these crucified guys. I'm listening to them. Okay, I've listened to them. And then he now says again, wishing, wishing to release Jesus. Pilate, what do you want to do? I want Jesus to go free. I don't want them to touch him. Wishing to release Jesus. He again called out to them. Verse 21, 22. Then he said to them the third time, why, what evil has he done? Why do you want to crucify him? I find, I found no reason for death in him. So Pilate now says, you know what I'll do? I'll chastise him and I will let him go. But they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men um, and of the chief priests prevailed. So there is so much more pressure now starting to mount. So these guys are getting louder and louder. But Pilate is like, no, you know what? This is where I am. I'm for Jesus. Who are you for? I'm for Jesus. We're all in this Jesus thing. I'll go around him. I like him. You know, he's a cool guy. I don't see why these guys hate him. I, I like Jesus. How many people in church this morning, you are for Jesus? That's just, okay, good. Good. All right. So, um, you know, you wake up, some people are in that hole, you know, to hell with God. You know, God should get them. Mm. 
You are like, I don't know. Stop all of that. Stop all of that. I'm for Jesus. Okay. But pressure starts to mount. Now in Luke 23, Pilate has a friend. He, he basically makes a friend. Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt. That's Jesus. And they mocked him. So they were like, he has this, Herod is like, just treating Jesus with contempt, mocking him. Um, that's exactly what the Bible said. Why did I have to explain that? You heard it. And he arrayed him in a gorgeous room. You get, so like he arrayed him in a gorgeous room. And he sent him back to Pilate. Okay, now look at the next verse. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends. They were enemies before, right? They, they became friends with each other. For previously, they had been at enmity with each other. But now Herod is into the whole, you know what, Jesus, da, 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 da. And then he and Pilate kind of start to have like that friendship. So it starts to create a new pressure for Pilate about how he's treating Jesus, okay? And so Pilate now comes to this place where he's like, okay, you know what, let's, 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 there are all these anti-Jesus people. I'm not like Herod, okay? Um, and, but being here is becoming a little difficult. Let me try and compromise a little. So look at what Pilate does. Luke 23 verse 14. He said to them, you have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man. Honestly, there's no fault. Honestly, I know it. Pilate, what do you know in your heart? I know Jesus is right. There's no fault. Jesus is good. He's the son of God. All of that, all of that. No fault in him. Um, but um, concerning the things, even Herod didn't, but sent him back. And indeed, nothing deserving of death has been done by him. So Pilate now says, okay, you know, there's all this noise of the crowd and everybody who is trying to um, destroy Jesus. So Pilate kind of says, you know what, let's just get like a middle space. What we would do is that we will chastise him and release him. Why are you chastising him? You know there's nothing wrong. But the way they're shouting, let's do something to just, you get like... Kind of just deal with the crowd, set to them and all of that. So Pilate is bringing up this whole idea of we'll just chastise him and we would release him. And verse 23, Luke 23 verse 20. Uh, some of you haven't read this much in your Bible for the last two weeks. Don't let anybody know. Just keep nodding like, hmm. Luke 23 verse 20. Pilate therefore wishing to release Jesus. You see that? Like, I'm, I'm figuring this whole thing out. I want to release Jesus. He again called out to them. But the Bible says they shouted and shouted the more. Crucify him. Crucify him. Bam, bam. Crucify him. I remember bam, bam. Crucify him. Bam, bam, bam. So this is a tough place to be. The way Pilate looks at this is, Pilate is like, uh, I know there's all this crowd pressure. And there are all these people that would wake up and they're saying things like crucify Jesus. Honestly, I will not join them to do such. But staying here, it's coming with a bit of um, difficulty. It's coming with a bit of tension. So Pilate is trying to find this space, this middle space, where I'm not into the whole crucified Jesus thing. Maybe I'm not as hell-bent on some of the things I'm holding out for, okay? But, you know, <laughs> that whole thing of um, Jesus cancel, uh, no, I'm not there, you know. Um, you know, these extreme people, somebody that just wakes up and says something like, you know, there's no God. Ha! You will not join them to say that one. But have you worshipped him as God today? Not necessarily. But uh, you know that, that seat is far. If you get what I mean, right? It's like extreme. There are people that sit there and they don't, you know. Pilate is the guy that no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there. Um, 
In Matthew 27 and verse 24, now Pilate does something. In trying to figure out this middle space, I call it like a middle space. However you interpret it. So there is, I'm sitting here, absolutely. There is, I'm kind of one leg there. One, the point, Sha, is that in standing up from here, he kind of figures out this like middle space in Matthew 27. And he says these words that, um, you know, Matthew 27. So this story, I've been walking around all the Gospels. But Matthew gives this detail that no other Gospel gives. And this is where the soap conversation comes in. So basically, Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all. Like this crowd, these guys are loud. It's intimidating. You know, it's, it's hard, you know, to, to sit down here and keep this extreme. In 2021, you know, it's... It's hard. You know, there's a crowd. There's loud noise. And, you know, I'm not, you know, um, there are people that wake up and say, what is wrong? I'm going to, um, I'm going to have sex with a man. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, there are guys that would say that. You're like, hey, what is that? That is like, ah. Or, I'm going to have sex with a lady. You understand what I'm saying? You're like, hey, all of that. That's so bad. So bad. Why will, why, will, why will a human being? But do you have sexual integrity? Mm, not you understand what I'm saying here I'm not there I will never go there in Jesus name but I'm not exactly on this chair now this one, ah, in this 2021 do you know the way the body is feeling sometimes you genuinely have a surge in the urge to march alright, so, so Pilate is the guy that says you know what, we would figure out something like a middle space so he brings out the soap in verse 24 of Matthew 27, the Bible says, When Pilate saw that he could not prevail, like this thing is getting hard, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water. Yeah, like, where is the soap? Just look where. <laughs> Excuse me. And washed his hands before the multitude. You know, 20 seconds, COVID kind of a thing. Added sanitizer. Saying, I am innocent of the blood of this. He will say it again. This guy is just. I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. And so do you know what Pilate kind of does is that he figures out what I call like a middle seat where, you know what, you guys are doing all your extreme stuff. I'm not with you guys. In fact, I wash my hands clean. There's this hand washing space. I wash my hands clean so that I'm not with all you crucified Jesus people. Don't put my name there. I'm not into all those things. I'm not one of those people that will be speaking against God. I'm not into all of those kind of things. Don't put my name there. I exempt myself. But Pilate, are you standing for the truth you know? Not necessarily. And so Pilate gets what I call a middle seat. In Matthew 27, verse 26, the Bible says, Then he released Barabbas to them. And when he had scored Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Mark 15, verse 15. So Pilate, this is the point. This is the problem. Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them. And he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Is that crowd pressure Pilate was dealing with? Like, how can I find a middle space, a meeting point with the crowd? How can I kind of figure out, like, a place where the crowd will no longer be shouting and I will not also, like, lose it all? Like, how can I figure out that kind of space? And so he delivered Jesus to be crucified. Look at Mark 15, verse 15 in CV. Pilate wanted to please the crowd. Did you see that? Pilate wanted to please the crowd. Pilate was that kind of guy that, you know, just what the crowd is saying, what the crowd thinks. It means a lot. It means a lot. Pilate wanted to please the crowd. So he set Barabbas free. Then he ordered his soldiers to beat Jesus with a whip and nail him to the cross. You know what Pilate will tell you? Pilate will tell you that, you know what, guys, I've got this soap. This soap is 
how good I am at figuring out a middle space in these things. I'm, I figured out how to work in middle space. You know, you guys sit in extremes or you are that. No, Pilate will tell you that I have this middle space thing that it's a middle seat that I've been able to figure out. I, I don't hate Jesus. I don't hate him. Um, in fact, I like him. I, I even marvel at his silence. Did you see what he said? Like when this guy is even silent, I'm tripped. Like, I like Jesus. I like Jesus. But when the pressure hits, I wash my hands. Pilate will tell you that I won't use my hands to do it. I won't stop those who are doing it, but I won't use my hands to do it. Um, in fact, Pilate will tell you that I know too much and I have, I have too much conscience or too much moral upbringing to sit down with those kind of people. You know, people wake up around me at work and they're saying things like, ah, churches are stealing money and I won't join them to say such. I have, I, I have too much conscience to even speak against those things. But will I speak for it? Well, maybe not. It's a middle space. I just have this soap that kind of works for me. Um, so Pilate will tell you that I'm, I'm too weak to speak up. I cannot. You know when Job's wife comes and she's saying things like, curse God and die. Ah, I will tell you, lie, lie. I will not do such. Oh, you curse God. But are you praising him? Ah, well, he says like, you know, Ah, no, not me. But are you there? So you came to church this morning, and then you heard something like, ah, I heard some guys on my way, they were outrightly like cursing God, swearing at God, and doing all those kind of things, and you're like, what nonsense. But you came here, and in the middle of worship, and of all of that going on, you are quiet. How do you do it, Pilate? How do you do it? Because we kind of build this construct of a middle seat, we build this concept for ourselves of, of a place where we are... Con- so in our mind, there's enough seats for everybody. There's enough. Can I have three, three guys? I want three. Let me, let me put people on the spot. Let me, couples connect. Three members of couples connect. Quickly. Men, run up. Quickly, quickly, quickly. This concept of there's enough seats for everybody. Some of you, I want to take you back in the years. Three guys. You guys came out willingly. All right. DJ, you're going to give us the music. All right, everybody. It's a chair dance. Come on. It's a chair dance. DJ, give it to us. There you go. The point is, there can't be seats for everybody. If there are three seats, there's no point. There's no point. Thank you, guys. I just wanted to remind you of your childhood. There's no price for the winner. The way you're sitting down, you? what are you looking for? So at some point, you have to realize there's no seat for everybody. This is a construct of your mind. It doesn't exist. You're going to have to pick one of the two. And you know, we're so good in trying to build this thing. Look at, look at Mark 15, verse 15 in DLNT. The Bible says, Pilate wanting to do enough for the crowd. You know, just, just wanting, I want to be here. I don't want to be there. I, I feel I can still do enough for the crowd. Pilate is the kind of guy that is so concerned about how many people like his post on Instagram. 
And so he would make decisions not so much because of the truth he knows, but because of how the crowd feels about it. Wanting to do enough for the crowd. He would make decisions based on the crowd effect, not even the truth I know. What would people say about me? How would people feel about this? Who is laughing at me? In short, Pilate is religious, but he's not spiritual. Pilate is really religious. Pilate is the guy that will, if he feels for Jesus, you know, I really feel for Jesus. I really feel compassion for him. But do you serve him? No. Um, Pilate is the guy that, you know, before he reads his Bible, he will put plenty quotes on his status. Quotes. Um, I see that verse, quotes on his status. Do you know why he does it? Because he, he feels the verse is cool. Not because he ever even thought of obeying it. It's a cool verse. Wow. He will put the coat on his status. I see what the preacher said. I'll put the coat. After he even puts the coat, he will put the suit. Then he will put the jacket. You know. Pilate will. Pilate is just religious. It's just that form of godliness. Like all the Jesus people, you know, you know those lines that you all know. Before anybody says God is good, Pilate will say all the time. Up Jesus, down Satan. You know, he knows all those lines. But Pilate, have you thanked God for being good today? I haven't even thought about it. Even in his sleep, we believe in one God, the Almighty, Eternal, Proceed, and Father, and the Son, the one Holy Spirit. Pilate can recite the Nicene Creed in his sleep. But did you really think about the gift of the Holy Spirit, Pilate? No, I, I'm not even. It's just this concept of there's a space that I can create, Pilate will tell you, that is comfortable enough. Comfortable enough. I'm not under all the pressure of extremes, like I would call it. I'm not under, it's just a comfortable space that Pilate will tell you I can create. Uh, interesting fun fact. Do you know that, I was reading this morning about Pilate, and do you know that um, church history, um, you know, they actually say that Pilate later on became a Christian. In fact, that he died as a martyr. He always had something in him that, like Jesus, but it's just living in the weight of religion. So Pilate will tell you that, you know what, I've got this middle space. And as I read through a lot of conversations in scripture, as I read through the scripture, I see a lot of people who seem to say, wow, Pilate, honestly, you know what, the truth, Pilate, is that we're dealing with all this extreme pressure of this whole Jesus thing, Pilate. How are you doing this thing, Pilate? Come and cut soap for us, Pilate. Come and, come and show us how you are able to figure out a middle space that works, Pilate. Come and show us how you are doing it. And so I hear voices like Nicodemus. Can you remember Nicodemus? Nicodemus, John chapter 3. The Bible says Nicodemus was a teacher. He was a ruler. Listen, John 3 and verse 1. The Bible says a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus as a ruler of the Jews. Verse 2, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Forget all the Pharisees that will be challenging you and asking, see, me and you, we know. Nicodemus would come to Jesus in the night. Two times he appeared in scripture. This was one. Do you know that this conversation led to one of the most profound conversations in scripture? In John 3, Jesus is saying things about being born of the spirit, born of from above. And then he says these words, for God so loved the world that he gave his own. Jesus is preaching the weight of the gospel that we are reciting today because of a conversation with Nicodemus. What a moment when Nicodemus would creep in at night and say, Jesus, between me and you, we both know. We know what's up. I may not be loud outside though. 
Even when they're asking you questions outside, I'll stay there. But you noticed I didn't say anything against you. You noticed. Nicodemus is telling Pilate, Pilate, give me that your soap. That thing works. That thing works that we can find this middle seat. We like Jesus. We don't have to make noise about it. Nobody, we don't have to ruffle feathers. See how the crowd is shouting. Do you know I can lose my job in, as a uh, ruler if I'm loud about Jesus? Do you know I can lose it? So Nicodemus would just be quiet. The next time we meet Nicodemus, let me show you. John chapter 19, when Jesus had died. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, another one of them, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly. Why? My big question is not even the secretly. My big question is the why. Because of fear of the Jews. He asked Pilate, Pilate, I want to take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. Look at verse 39. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night. When you even hear the name Nicodemus, you already know there's something fishy. Is there anybody here bearing Nicodemus? You used to do things at night. You walk well at night. He also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes. About a hundred pounds. Do you know exchange rates now? He brought expensive stuff. Look at the next verse. Verse 40. Then they took the body of Jesus. Oh, how we love him. And bound it in strips of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. We take care of him in his death. But in his life, we're silent. You know those people that when their grandmother dies, they will feed all the orphans in Ethiopia. But when the grandmother was alive, they'll drop 2,000 naira. You will not even hear them. Ah, we must give you befitting burial. That's what they're doing. Loud in his death. But to speak in his life. No. And as I think about this, I think about how people can be silent in your life, but expensive in your death. After a season is gone, after an opportunity is gone, when you could really stand for Jesus and speak for him, when all of that is gone, now suddenly... We are so loud about it. I think about how we live in a generation where people are loud in, in the silent places. Loud. But silent in the loud places. They will DM church Twitter account and say how blessed they were in service. How much God is doing in their lives. They see how much it's an inbox message. Check their timeline. Nothing like that. They are loud in the silent places. But silent in the loud places. And it's the same thing of us saying to, to Pilate, Pilate, man, you figured something out, Pilate, come and cut soap for us. Show us how you do this middle space in a relationship with Jesus. Show us how you do it. And I see Pilate cutting soap for Bartholomew. You remember Bartholomew? You remember him? I promise he's one of the 12. He is. He is. I know you don't believe, but he is. He is one of the 12 guys that was always following Jesus for three and a half years. And Bartholomew, what do we have to know you for? Nothing. Your silence. Bartholomew, your silence is too loud. It's too loud. I don't have a problem. See, let me know you for something. Peter is walking on water. Okay, if you will not walk on water, you can't yet do all of that one. Thomas, what do we know him for? Doubt. It's Okay. At least when you doubt, we know what we are trying to convince you of. But you are just there. Do you believe? Do you doubt? You are there. I am not as troubled by the betrayal of Judas or the denial of Peter. I am more worried about the silence of Bartholomew. I fear people like that. How are you successfully here? It's okay if you come to me and you have a problem, you are challenging something. 
I know what I'm dealing with. Bartholomew is that life group member. Everybody is talking to their service. What is going on? Is there. Are you there? I'm there. What do you have to say? I'm following. Following what? Following what? It worries me, Bartholomew. Put yourself in the story. At least when they say we want to multiply bread and fish, they say, oh yeah, some disciples will go and call it. Quickly go and pick it. So they will say, Bartholomew picked up. Nothing. Share fish, you don't share. Do nothing. And it's a middle space where Bartholomew will say, I have, are you a disciple of Jesus? Of course I am. I am. Are you a get? No. But what do you have to say to everything Jesus has been teaching? It's okay. <laughs> At least some will still come and say, Master, we didn't understand what you are saying. Peter will take Jesus to his side and say, What nonsense? What those? You know, I like Peter. He has his issues, though. So. I mean, it's one thing. This is how you even know where people are coming from in their journey with Jesus. It's one thing sometimes for, you know, some people are attacking your boss and you are angry about it and you quickly slap somebody or something and they say, Calm down. But when Peter was trying to defend Jesus, he had cut off somebody's ear before they stopped him. Do you know what he was trying to do? Oh, so you think you are trying to defend him? You now go, you hold the ear and you cut. He was trying something. Else. The guy dodged, he cut the ear. So he's coming from somewhere. He has his issues that he's dealing with. He loses it. He will make promise. He will not deliver. You know, he's all over the place. But Peter will eventually be the leader of the church. Because you would walk a journey with Jesus. But Bartholomew, 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 they are dangerous people. Silent disciples. Disciples that are silent. How do you stay around Jesus and nothing stirs your heart? How do you come to an atmosphere of worship and you say the song is okay? How do you come to church and you don't lift your hands? How do you come around here? People are praising God. It doesn't move you. I fear you. How do you hear of a savior that took away the sins you were supposed to carry? How do you hear of a savior that took your death? Eh, eh, when Christ shall come, eh, what's that song we're saying? Um, 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 eh, and when I think that God, when I think that God, His Son, not sparing. Eh, what, what's the next line? Say, tell me, tell me, tell me. Eh? And He sent Him to die to take away my sins. I can't even hold it in. And you are singing it, and when I think, like His poem. I fear you. It's either you don't believe or you have a different agenda. How do we come around Jesus and he doesn't thrill us? How do we come around the one that, that like, like this is the glory of God that became flesh. We beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only son of God. How do you come around Jesus and he doesn't thrill you? How do you come around what Jesus is doing and he doesn't excite you? How do you come to a service and hear that somebody gave their lives to Christ and it doesn't move you? Don't say, eh, okay. It's like punishment. Let's all stand. Somebody's about to make a decision for Jesus. Uh -huh. How do you successfully do it, Bartholomew? I fear it. But, but you know, it's, if you say, who are the people that are cursing God, that are writing reviews in uh, New York Times, and are saying all these things about the non-existence of God, you say, hey, they are bad people. You, when last did you speak for his name? 
When last were you loud in your praise? When last did you walk into a church service and you just said, you know what? God has been so good to me. I can't even keep it to myself. God has done for me more than I deserve, more than I could imagine. I can't even keep my praise to myself. When last did you praise louder than you thought you could? When last, come on, can we take a praise break this morning? Somebody, somebody needs to get out of a Bartholomew spirit this morning. Somebody maybe needs to get louder this morning. Maybe somebody needs to praise more this morning. When last did you worship him as God? When last did you consider his awesomeness? Let me look at somebody around you and say, is your middle name Bartholomew? Is your middle name? I'm going to change it right now. Is your middle name Bartholomew? Tell somebody you're too quiet for an atmosphere of God. You're too quiet. Tell Pilate to cut you so Don't collect Pilate. Sit down. Let me finish this morning. Let me try and round this off. And so, in many ways, this is not just them. Because maybe you're sitting here and you are judging them. In many ways, this is not just them. This is not just some people in some generation. This is us. This is the reality we live with every day. This is us many times in this thing of a walk with Jesus and the pressures of the world and our attempts to build a middle seat that really doesn't exist. This is us many times. This is us many times facing the pressure of just social media. You know, what should I say? How does it feel with the crowd? You know, how can I get 3,000 new followers in the next three months? You know, and how it just starts to affect how you think, how you speak, what you do. You know, what should I be a little more silent about? I mean, it's not like my heart has shifted, you think, but it's just that, you know, I'm just trying to present it in a better way. You know, all those things we tell ourselves. And this is us many times. But what I want to say to us, friends, is that faith cannot be a middle space. Faith must be a propelling force. Faith is a front foot thing. Faith is not a middle space. Faith is not something that we find comfort in. Faith is something that brings audacity and brings a boldness and brings a courage. Faith is something that releases a spark in us. Faith is focused on who Jesus is. And you can't be in faith and be silent. Faith has a voice. Faith has an audacity. Faith has a boldness to it. Faith has a life to it. Faith has a sense of essence. propels us and this morning i pray that we're not going to just be like bartholomew sitting in those conversations in matthew chapter 12 and verse 30 jesus says that he who is not with me is against me many times we are trying to say you know what jesus i am not against you uh but being with you let's explain jesus says no he that is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad sometimes don't you honestly feel like i'm not necessarily gathering but I'm just in a season where I'm trying to make decisions. Jesus says, the moment you are not gathering, you are scattering. Jesus will tell you that gathering is the front foot. It's not the other way. It's not that if you are not scattering, you are gathering. No. He says if you are not in the front foot, if you are not in faith, then you are in fear. If you are not believing, then you are doubting. If you are not gathering, you are scattering. Jesus will tell you that if you are not building, you are destroying. Proverbs 14, a wise woman builds her house. The foolish woman destroys. The foolish woman is not not building. Do you understand what I'm saying? The foolish man is destroying. Anybody that is not building is destroying. Are you building your marriage? Well, we have just been walking through a season where we are figuring things out. There's nothing to figure out. If you're not building, you are destroying. Are you building on your career? Well, 
If you're not building, you're destroying. Are you building your relationship with Jesus? If you're not building, you're destroying. Are you building? If you're not building, you are destroying. That's what the Bible will tell you. And so faith is not an in-between conversation. It's a front foot thing. Are you growing in generosity? If you're not growing, you're dying. Are you growing in love? If you're not growing, you are dying. You are losing ground. That's what the Bible will tell you. He that is not building is destroying. Are you building the church? Uh, I like the church. Are you building it? If you're not building it, you're destroying it. Are you building? Are you building with your skill, with your gifting, with your resources? Are you building with your time, with your energy, with your passion? If you are not building, you are destroying that scripture. Jesus says he was not gathering, he's scattering. Today, James puts it this way in James 4 and verse 4. He says, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enemity with God? Like, James, you know, all this thing that you say, you know, the world, I kind of have my way around things. You know, James will tell you that the moment I am a friend of the world, he says, I am an enemy of God. Ah, enemy. Ah, ah, that is extreme now. We know people are enemies of God. We know them. They are evil. People that are not righteous are evil. Sometimes you ask somebody, are you righteous? He says, eh, I'm working on it. Then you are evil. Do you understand what I'm saying? Righteousness is by putting our faith in Jesus. If we're there, we're there. Tell somebody, are you born again? He said, well, let's say 75%. You are not. That's all. I'm sorry, you are not. 99.9, you are not. If you are not there, you are here. This thing does not exist. Jesus. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You can have an enemy in your village, oh, and it's okay. You just don't travel there. Or you have an enemy in your place of work, you change job. You have an enemy in your compound, you move house. You have an enemy in your, you know, you can have an enemy. Then you now say, ah, who is your enemy? God. Says if you are a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. This is Bible. This is Bible. This is 2021. This is not ah, uh, it's in those days. Uh, do you know what's in the world now? As I when they wrote this thing, had they made cars? This is the eternal word of God. If you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. Don't change what it means to be a Christian. Don't. Don't cheapen it. It's a big deal. Where does your passion lie? Are you passionate about the church that Jesus is building? You say, I don't join people to speak against men of God, to speak against church things. Do you speak for it? You speak for it. I don't join all these people that, you know, so sometimes people talk about like giving in church and they are ranting and all of that. Say, I don't join people to do such. When last, you know my big problem? My big problem is not people that come out and say, ah, churches take people's money, blah, blah, blah. That's not my problem. My big problem is the many people that give and don't come out to say how God has blessed them because they give. It's the Bartholomews. They do these things codedly. They tithe, they honor God. They put God first. They don't play with it. And everybody's ranting. They're just like, hmm, it's where. 
problem is Bartholomew. If you are Judas, we know what you are up to. We know how to handle you. We won't be giving people signs. The one that dips his bread, just be watching him. We know what to do with you. But Bartholomew, <laughs> it's the silent disciples. We are not plagued by the denial of Peter. We are plagued by the silence of Bartholomew. Do you know how many Christians there are in this country? But the bigger problem is there's so many that are quiet. Faith propels us to a front foot. A front foot, faith, generosity, community. These are front foot things. Being in Christian community is not a let's see how it goes. He that does not gather scatters. Yeah, I, I joined a group. So we're starting a new life group season. I joined, I'm just trying to see how people are. Honestly, honestly, you're destroying it. Don't join to see how people are. Join to be a builder. Let me start to land. Your words. Don't just wake up saying I don't say bad things. Do you say the right things? I don't use swear word. The way I was brought up, we don't use swear word. I can't even believe that some people that are so-called Christians. So-called Christians. Somebody come on keyboard, I'm closing. So-called Christians are using filthy language. When last did you wake up in the morning and say, I want to build somebody with my words? When last were you a front foot of encouragement and of strength with the power of your words? Listen to 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 13. Look at what Paul tells Timothy. Hold fast the pattern of sound words. He didn't just say avoid wrong words. Hold fast. There is a pattern of sound words. There is how you talk as a Christian. It's not everything that is funny that you post. When I say talk, it's not just your mouth. It's your status. It's everything. Not everything you feel like that you say. As in, did, I, did I abuse anybody? It's my status. If you want to live, live. If, if you're not comfortable, get out of here. Look at what Paul tells Timothy. Hold fast the pattern of sound words. There is a pattern, soundness of words. It's a way we speak as Christians. We speak to build up, not just to entertain. Uh, I, I don't even know. I, I just find it funny. <laughs> Anyway, it's a front foot. Your time. Be on the front foot. Are you ordering your time? If you're not ordering it, you're scattering it. Are you planning your life? If you're not planning, you are scattering your life. Why is everybody looking sober? Is this not the most electrifying message you have ever heard? All right, I'm going to land. I'm going to land. If this is making you uncomfortable, let's let's start to land it. Let's start to land it, and let's just replace. Let's replace a few of the concepts that we have here. Um, if you're like, okay, you say Jesus canceled. That's why I've not even been listening to you all day. You cancel Jesus. You cancel my Lord and my Savior. Okay. I have uncancelled. I'm sorry. One day when I'm able to pay for seminary, I'll be a better man of God. Cancel Jesus. 
and I'll buy suits. I'll now wear pointing shoes like this. They will know what's up. Just come. Let's all start. You, the way you even respond to me now, I'll say, let's start. People are teaching. They don't respect me. They don't rate me. Anyway, let me land. Let me land. So, many times, you know, as we set this up, what was going on in John chapter 19 happens to us. So, in John chapter 19, so I'm sitting as Jesus. I'm sorry if it hurts your theology, but just bear with me. In John chapter 19, verse 12, the Bible says, Then from then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not a friend of Caesar. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. And so what is happening in John 19 now is that Pilate is on a judgment seat. The Bible says he came to the judgment seat. They call it the pavement. He came there. And then he's sitting. Please don't shut it down. <laughs> he, came, he came to the... Please put five on my, on my clock. He came, he came to the judgment seat and uh, he said, um, I'm dealing with all of this. So Pilate sits down as the judge. And then he's asking Jesus questions. Look, guy, I want to release you. I want to release you. Look at verse 13 of John 19. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down at the judgment seat in a, in a place that's called pavement in Hebrew, Gabata. And he sat down and said, guy, I want to release you. So he starts to ask Jesus questions. He's saying, Jesus, what is truth? I'm saying, Jesus is quiet. And Pilate marveled at his silence. Pilate, in fact, said to him in verse 10, he said, do you know that I have power over you? You're not speaking to me. Do you know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus, look at me. I'm the judge here. I have power to crucify you and power to release you. And so he's asking Jesus questions. He's saying, what is truth? Are you king? Where are you from? What do you do? Why do they want to kill you? But here's what I want you to see is that Pilate is making a judgment over Jesus. Pilate is making a judgment over Jesus. The big question is, Pilate, what are you going to do with Jesus? I know there's all the noise from the crowd. I know there's pressure of your friends. I know there's all of that. But the big question for every one of us is, Pilate, what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with that guy? Because you are sitting on a judgment seat. And did you hear what Jesus said? There is no power you have that is not given to you. Jesus said to him, I gave you that power over myself. Wow. Jesus gave me power to judge him. That's humbling. Scary. What will you do with Jesus? Here's what I want you to see. Because eventually, as Jesus kept quiet in those moments... What we're going to find is that the day is coming. And Pilate will still be sitting here. But he'll realize that the power to judge has moved to Jesus. And one day we would look in his eyes. And he will not just be the Jesus being led to the cross. He'll be the Jesus that is risen and is now judge of the world. And one day we would look in his eyes and those same questions would come back to us. For that day, Pilate, you sat down and you said, I have power over you. Now he would say, I have power over you. That day you said, I have power over you to crucify you or to release you. And he would say, now I have power over you. 
to give you an eternity in heaven or in hell. One day we'll realize that that judgment seat we sat on was for a lifetime. That we're going to live all our days on this earth answering that question. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? And one day, friends, one day, this is the gospel, one day, the judgment seat will move over. And we would look in those eyes. And the question now will be, did you live for truth? You knew it in your heart. And you are, all. Oh, I know what I'm doing. Did you live for truth? One day, what did you do with Jesus? Did you follow him? Did you believe in him? Did you trust him? Did you serve him with your life? Did you give your passion to collaborate with him in building his kingdom and building his church, in living as light? Did you stand for him in the dark places? Did you stand for him when nobody was looking? One day, the judgment is going to move over. And maybe you hear those things. And here, stay with me. Maybe you hear that and it just makes you feel overwhelmed. Like, will I ever get this right? Like, I fear that day. Maybe you hear those things and honestly in your heart, please hear me through this morning. Please hear me through. If you didn't hear anything I've said today, please hear this. Maybe you hear those words and you feel, will I ever get it right? Like, how will I stand face to face to an almighty God one day and have to face that judgment? Maybe it tires you out and it overwhelms you. And you're like, Come on, it can't be two absolute seats. Come on, there has to be. Jesus has to understand that, you know, I need a middle space. Jesus, please, this, this is too hard. This is impossible. Maybe you feel that way genuinely. And maybe in all your life you have lived it and as you are figuring out this journey, all you have been looking for is for, you know, that soap of Pilate. Pilate caught me soap. Let me find a middle ground. Let me, let me just find. Uh, but, but, but let me show you one more, one more scripture. One more scripture in John chapter 13. One more scripture. John chapter 13 from verse 5. After that, Jesus pours water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Please follow this. And the Bible says he began to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And in verse 6, the Bible says that he came to Simon Peter. And Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? No. Jesus answered and said to him, what I'm doing to you, you do not understand now. But you will know it after this. And as I read that scripture and I read about Jesus bringing out water and again soap. And if you didn't see soap in that scripture, just read it very well. But as Jesus brings out water and says, you know what, I'm going to wash my disciples' feet. And then he says... Guys, I'm going to serve you. And Peter said, no, I can't do this. I can't let you do this because I am the one supposed to serve you. And that's how we think about the judgment to come. We think, Jesus, it's what I can do for you that will make me stand before you. It's me. I will stand before you and I'll give account of all the things I did, all the things I went for evangelism, all the people that I preached to, all the things that I did and how I stood right in the face of all manner of temptation and everything and everything. And we are thinking, Jesus, it is me that will serve you. And that's what will give me a standing. But Jesus says, no, Peter, you don't understand what's going on here. Jesus says, did you notice that the Bible says after supper, he took off his garment. And then he stooped low. And he began to serve his disciples. Did you notice that the Bible says at the end of the day, he put back on that garment. And then he sat down. And I thought there's maybe no better, just revelatory scripture about what Jesus was doing in all eternity. About how 
he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped and all that and, you know, robbery and all of that. But he let go. He let go. And he took on the form of a servant. He humbled himself and he came down to serve us in a way that we needed him to serve us. He came down to pay a price that we couldn't pay for ourselves. He came down to live a life that we couldn't live, to die a death that we couldn't die, to, to rise again in a way we could never rise so that he could do it for us. And then the Bible says that after he had done that, he sat down. Did you read about how he is now sat down at the right hand of God? And the Bible says that in that moment, Peter is saying, no, you won't do this. And he says, I will do it. I will do it. You don't understand what's happening now, but eventually you would understand it. Because one day when I look into those eyes and I see him as the judge, and I see him as the one that has all power to, to give life, the one that has all power to send me to an eternity in hell, which I deserve. As I look to him in that moment, I would realize that I cannot stand in this moment by something I did in myself. I can only stand in this moment by something he has done for me. I can only stand in this moment by something that he has done for me. And I want to say to us this morning that before he reveals himself as judge he will first of all be revealed to us as savior and he will say what will you do with me and today i'm so glad that i can sit in this seat and I know that one day he's going to be judged, but I'm grateful that today he is Savior. I'm grateful that today he's my very present help in time of need. I'm grateful that I'm not sitting on a seat that he did not first sit on. And he sat on this seat and he said, you know what? I'm doing this. I'm doing this on your behalf. I'm doing this ahead of you. I'm doing this to give you an example. So that one day when you're on that seat and you feel the pressure of making a decision about Jesus, you would remember that he was the one that went through all manner of temptation, yet was without sin. So that one day when you're under all the pressure to come promise i can run with endurance the race that is set before me looking unto jesus the author and the perfecter of my faith so that one day when i'm sitting in this seat and honestly it gets tough sitting here we always want to create a middle ground but one day when i'm here i would remember no there was no middle ground i'm going to stay absolute on this i'm going to stay absolute on what it means to be a christian what it means to walk by faith what it means to trust god to depend on god and i make my mistakes but i rise up again and i stand here i am not building a soap of pilot i am taking that soap of jesus i'm taking an example of what he did i'm taking the empowerment from what he did i'm taking the ability from what he did i'm receiving grace by what he did and i can stay here through all times and all seasons so that one day when i look into his eyes as judge i would rejoice because he's my savior he's my life giver he's my very present help by the power of the holy spirit He's the one who walks all seasons through me by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's my comforter. He's my teacher. He's my wisdom. He's the one that lights up the way before me. Tim, come, I'm done. He's the one that gives me wisdom for every next season. He's the one that gives me counsel in every moment of my life. He's the one that said I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And when the world is putting pressure and all of that and the world is calling me names and I feel all alone, I would remember that he's with me here. He didn't just give me a journey to walk. No, he's walking it with me. And one day when I meet him as judge, I will rejoice in that moment because he walked it through with me. I just want to encourage somebody this morning who maybe in this whole thing of being a Christian sometimes the weight hits and you feel real overwhelmed and all of that I just want to encourage you this morning I know the day is coming we will look in his eyes as judge oh what a joy oh what a rejoicing it doesn't come with fear perfect love casts out all fear it comes with a hope and with an expectation of who Jesus is to us and so I want to encourage somebody stay on stay on build on Jesus has done it all we can do it because he has run the race we're running in his steps therefore be imitators of God we're not called to build a pathway for ourselves we're 
are called to imitate one that has run that race one who has given us a perfect example I pray it will mean something new to you when you say those words I am a follower of Jesus I am a follower of Jesus I'm not a follower of the noise of the crowd I'm not a follower of the passions of my generation I'm not a follower of what people are doing I'm not a follower of what seems popular I am a follower of Jesus this is my way of life this is my way of truth this is my way of audacity this is my way of boldness and this morning as we begin to worship I pray there's going to be a spark of courage and of boldness in everybody's heart I pray today that people are standing up and standing out and say we cancel out the pilot option and we choose what it means to say that indeed we are followers of Jesus we are followers of Jesus we are followers of Jesus with everything we are with our lives laid down we are followers of Jesus come on guys let's sing it out this morning let's worship in Jesus name we really live in a generation where the crowd is loud we're sitting in that judgment seat what will we do with Jesus many of us are dealing with the noise of a crowd saying crucify him many of us are in some way or the other just I need to get that job I need to get that opportunity I need something else to happen and I will just take off my passion for Jesus to make that work but you called us and you said if any desires to follow after me, let him lay down his life, let him take up his cross, deny himself and follow me. But I pray that we will not be a generation of people who change what it means to be followers of Jesus. I pray that we would follow you in truth. 
would follow you in total devotion. God, I, I, I can't say this enough, but I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you put that spark in every heart. I prayed for people this morning. I pray for men, for women, for boys, for girls. I pray for old, for young. I pray for teenagers. I pray for people under the sound of my voice, God. All kinds of seasons, God. Just put that spark, that spark and that passion of I am a follower of Jesus. Let it be the loudest voice we wake up to every day. Let it be the voice we're dealing with in the midst of trying seasons, Lord. Let it be the voice we're hearing even when the crowd is shouting. God, I pray that we'll be bold for the truth in our hearts. I pray this morning you're going to give people a fresh wave of courage and of audacity in the midst of a world that tries to pull us down, to tone us down. God, we will contend earnestly for the faith that we was handed down to us. We will fight for it. We will live for it. We will not sell out, God. We will not cheapen your name, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray today, God. I pray for somebody, somebody under the sound of my voice today i pray for somebody who there's a sound of destiny and of purpose over their lives god we're dealing with the sound of the world god i prayed i i, I feel that weight on my heart for somebody today somebody making poor decision after poor decision and god today i know it like i know my name there's a sound of purpose and of destiny over your people there's a calling over our lives god god i pray give somebody courage today give somebody that passion and that boldness today like only you can, Jesus. God, give somebody just that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We need it. Thank you that you're not just a judge waiting for us. You're a savior who is able to save to the uttermost. You're a savior who is with us here and there. Let somebody know it, God. God, I just pray today. I pray today. I pray today. I'm sorry if this embarrasses you. I want everybody, 20 years and under, I'm sorry if it embarrasses you, but please, if you can, 20 years and under, would you just raise your hands wherever you are? 20 years and under. I want everybody around them. Would you just lay hands on them? I feel like there's pressure on a generation. There's pressure on a generation. Can we just begin to pray for them today? I, I just feel somebody needs a strengthening out of the house of God today. Or maybe you're even just in a season of your life, you know you need this. You know you need this. Just lift up your hands and let somebody around you just lay hands on you this morning and just pray for you. In the name of Jesus, I pray for people online. I pray for people everywhere this morning, God. And in the name of Jesus, you're going to give unusual courage. You're going to give unusual boldness, God. Unusual light, God, in darkness, Father. Lord, give it to people. Give it to people. People dealing with the voice of a generation. People dealing with that overwhelming weight of a generation. God, today I pray. Give them strength. Give them strength, God. Give them grace, God. Give them grace that matches every demand, God. I prayed for people today, God. I prayed for people in seasons of their life today. Seasons that they're walking through. Seasons of difficulty, God. I just pray for unusual boldness, God. We will not sell out. We're not a sellout generation. We are not. We are Christians. It's not just a title we tick on boxes. It's an audacity in every day of our lives. It's a power that we live with. It's a power that we live with. God, thank you. God, thank you. I pray strength around this house today, God. I pray strength around this house today. Unusual strength. Unusual strength. Unusual boldness. Oh, oh, come on. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I speak it over people today, God. Unusual boldness 
For when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. People are walking out of church this morning and when they see your boldness, we, are, we know you have been in the house of God. When we see your strength, we know you have been around the people of God. Somebody was about to do something stupid tonight. Somebody, I can see you right now. You are about to do something stupid tonight and you're still arguing it in your mind. Today, I speak deliverance for you. I speak deliverance for you knowing I'm speaking to you right now. You had planned it for tonight. 7 p.m. this evening, you had an appointment. You know what I'm talking about. Today, I speak deliverance. I set the time so you know God is speaking to you. I speak deliverance for you right now. Right now. Right now, it's a call of destiny. It's a call of destiny. I prayed for you. I prayed for you. I didn't just come to preach a message to make myself feel good. People are on the verge. People are on the edge. And today, somebody needed to hear this. When you say you are a Christian, it's not a joke. It's not a place you attend on Sunday. It's not what you show up to do. It's not, it's not just a concert you come to. It's a way of life. Not a way of death. It's a way of life. You came in here and there are burdens in the world. Jesus said, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. The only burden we are entitled to carry is his own yoke. And he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what it means to be a Christian. Don't walk out of those doors this morning with anxiety and with fear because it is 2021. No, before it is 2021, we serve a God who is the same through all seasons and all ages. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was ever good, he's good right now and he will always be good. If he was ever a helper, he's a helper right now and he would always be a helper. If he was ever true to his promises, he is right now and he would always be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, if we can all just stay standing, if that's if you're comfortable to do that. Somebody needs to make a decision this morning to be a follower of Jesus. I don't know who you are, how you came to church this morning, whether you're in the building or you're online anywhere. Somebody needs to make a decision to be a follower of Jesus. This whole thing doesn't start by being in a great service. I go to church. No, it's not about going to church. It's about a conscious decision. You sit on that seat. What are you going to do with Jesus? And today, you can either walk out of those doors as a sinner in guilt. I'll keep trying. Trying doesn't get you to God. None of us could. If anybody is here today and we have a right standing with God, I'll tell you why. With all humility, we have it. Because we surrender to say yes to Jesus. Nobody builds their way to God. It is one who came down from God. There is one mediator between God and man. And it is the man, Jesus. Today can be the day for you. When you think about heaven and the joy and the hope we have of being in heaven. Do you know there's one man-made thing in heaven? God created everything. He created the heavens and the earth. But do you know because of you, there is one man-made thing in heaven? The wounds that they put on his hands. Those nail marks that they put on his hands. That those soldiers of Pilate whipped and put on his hands. And he resurrected with them. He showed it to Thomas and he ascended with it. There would always be a man-made thing in heaven. So that men like you and me can make their way to heaven. Because it would always be a reference and a pointer of what he has done for us. And today, I lift it up to you, somebody who needs to say yes to Jesus. Whether you're in the building or you're online anywhere, really doesn't matter. I'm just going to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. What are you going to do with Jesus? We're standing because we honor this moment and we honor your decision. What are you going to do with Jesus? Somebody needs to say, I need to be forgiven. I need to put my faith in him. Maybe you've never been born again. Maybe at some point you've made a choice. But today as we speak, you know you're not right with God. You've walked away. You've made poor choices. Today can be that day. 
of salvation. Don't harden your heart. Are you ready? I'm going to count to three. And wherever you are, I just want you to put your hand on your chest. Whether you're in the building or you're online anywhere, let today be the day. It's a miracle in your life. Are you ready? One, two, and three. Put your hand on your chest wherever you are. God sees you. God knows you. God bless you. God bless you. Across the room, God bless you. Anybody online also, wherever you are, do it. Let him see you. God bless you. God bless you. I see people across the room this morning. God bless you. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Oh, I will never take it for granted. God bless you. I see more people. God bless you. Anybody else want to join in? God bless you. We're all going to say a prayer together. This is a family, not a crowd. We want to stand with you. If your hand is on your chest, I want you to say with all boldness, whether you're in the building or you're at home anywhere, say with all boldness this morning, Heavenly Father, I come to you today because you've made a way for me to come through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your son Jesus. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he's the savior of the world. Say today, I confess Jesus as my savior and my Lord. Say please forgive me of the past and give me a whole new start. I will live for you. Say please fill me with your grace. Fill me with boldness. Fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. Say, I'm your child. And one day, I'll be with you in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Who loves the sound of a miracle? Wow. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Congratulations, everybody who prayed that prayer, put their faith in Jesus. Congratulations. You just did the right thing, and that's so incredible. We're excited. We're proud of you. Whether you're in the building or you're at home anywhere, we are so excited about it. Now, here's what's going to happen. After the service, on your way out of the doors, I'm going to have some of the team members just waving a Fresh Life devotional. You just see them on your way out by all the exits. Just tell somebody, I prayed that prayer. I want a copy of that. It's free of charge. We'd love to give it to you. It's a gift from our church. They'd love to know how they can be praying for you, how we can support you we want to keep praying for you but congratulations everybody online there's already information about how you can let us know so we can send you resources can we congratulate them really really well one more time wow it's a miracle we are so honored to have been able to share this teaching message with you from Sycamore Church Ibadan Nigeria we really hope you found it to be a blessing to find out more about us or how you can receive more resources from our church or our pastor, Tolulokpemudi, please visit our website, www.sikamore.church. That's S-Y-C-A-M-O-R-E.church. Or on Facebook and YouTube at Sikamore Church and on Instagram and Twitter at Sikamore underscore church. If you're ever anywhere around us, we'll be super honored to welcome you at one of our services.